Hello and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of February 23. I'm Rumina Margosian. In the news, the French defense minister is in Armenia, marking the first time a French defense minister has made an official visit. The remains of French-Armenian resistance fighters Misak and Melina Manushian are inducted as French national heroes in the Pantheon in Paris. EUMA marks its one-year anniversary in Armenia. The French defense minister Sébastien Lecourneau is an Armenian. This is the first time that a French defense minister has visited Armenia. Le Figaro reported that this week France will start the delivery of three GM200 radars and night vision goggles to Armenia. French armed forces will also conduct three mountain warfare training courses with Armenia this year. During a joint press conference with Armenia's Defense Minister Suren Papikian, Le Cornu said that no one can criticize Armenia for developing the capabilities of its armed forces. Short, medium, and long-range missiles will also be part of the development of defense capabilities if Armenia should need it. Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan also met with the French Defense Minister. The PM told Lokornu that France was the first country to respond to Armenia's decision to diversify its security. On February 21, Prime Minister Pashinyan was in France to take part in a ceremony honoring Misak Manushian and his wife Meline, whose remains were inducted into the Pantheon in Paris alongside other French national heroes. The ceremony was led by the French President Emmanuel Macron. Misak Manushian was a French-Armenian resistance fighter in France who fought against the Nazi regime and was executed in 1944. Well, the Manushians are the first foreigners to be interred as national heroes in the Pantheon. In a statement made before his meeting with Pashinyan, Macron said that Armenia can count on France's support for its independence, territorial integrity, democratic processes, and peaceful aspirations, that France will continue to support infrastructure development in Armenia and will also continue to develop cooperation in defense and the delivery of military equipment. Macron also called for the implementation of the November 17, 2023 decision of the International Court of Justice according to which Azerbaijan must ensure that persons who have left Nagorno-Karabakh since September 19 of 2023 and who wish to return can do so safely, unhindered, and quickly. He also added that France stands by Armenia because justice, freedom, and international law are important to us. And here's a little bit background of history of French-Armenian relations. Armenian and French ties have been traditionally warm. The Armenian community in France is one of the largest in the EU. France was one of the first major countries in the West to recognize the Armenian genocide, which it did in 1998 and reaffirmed in 2001. From the late 1990s up to 2001, France was one of the three co-chairs of the OSE-MINS group, which was mandated to coordinate talks between Armenia and Azerbaijan to find a solution to the conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh. Since the 2020 Artsakh war, France has used its position in the UN Security Council to advocate for a ceasefire and a peaceful settlement of the conflict. France also called for a UN Security Council meeting twice during the blockade of Artsakh, and another meeting was called immediately after the Azerbaijani attack, but the UN Security Council members eventually failed to agree on a statement or a resolution. Recent years have seen increasingly closer ties between Armenia and France, both politically, diplomatically, and in the insecurity matters. As Armenia attempts to diversify its security ties away from Russia, France 
France was one of the first countries Armenia approached just two weeks after the large-scale Azerbaijani incursion into Armenia. In general, in mid-September of 2022, Armenian and French defense minister kick-started long-term cooperation, which culminated a year later in October of 23, when the two countries announced a major arms deal, which included radars, binoculars, and sensors, and also air defense systems. Both countries have stressed that the weapons are entirely defensive in nature. French Defense Minister Lacournau used the phrase strategic intimacy to refer to the growing defense ties between the two countries. This has led Azerbaijan to repeatedly accuse France of pro-Armenian bias and pull out of French-mediated talks, like uh, back in October of 2023. Azerbaijan has further launched a smear campaign against France, uh, accusing it in everything from genocide to neo-colonialism. In late December, Azerbaijan expelled two French diplomats without explanation and arrested a French citizen in January on espionage charges. In the most recent election in Azerbaijan, there were no French observers at all, even though there were fewer than usual European observers in general. France has also led the EU in promoting closer ties with Armenia. It actively supported the deployment of the EU civilian monitoring mission to Armenia's border regions with Azerbaijan to observe and report from the ground in Brussels. It was France that successfully requested the EU to consider security support to Armenia via the European Peace Facility. Details of EU-wide support have yet to emerge, though, but it is mostly about non-lethal support. And back to the news. Uh, on February 17, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz facilitated a meeting between the leaders of Armenia and Azerbaijan on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference. Uh, this was a meeting that was not priorly announced. Uh, Nikol Pashinyan and Ilham Aliyev had previously met last in Chisinau in July of 2023. While Pashinyan's press office did not reveal much about the meeting, the PM told the Armenian community of Munich that the main outcome of his meeting with Aliyev was that the sides agreed to adhere to the agreements reached previously. He also said that Yerevan and Baku are planning a meeting of the foreign ministers to discuss the text of the peace treaty. The border commissions will also hold their next meeting in the near future. Pashinyan also said that if all the agreements are kept, it will help to stabilize the situation on the border. And later in the week, Pashinyan told France 24 that there is an imminent threat that Azerbaijan will invade Armenia as Baku considers today's Armenia Western Azerbaijan. According to him, President Ilham Aliyev does not want a peace treaty based on mutual recognition of territorial integrity, but rather aims to seize new territories in Armenia. Meanwhile, Security Council Secretary Armen Grigorian told reporters, this was uh, on February 21, that Armenia has received Azerbaijan's response on the draft sent on January 4. He's speaking about the response to the peace agreement. He added that the mutual withdrawal of troops from the border remains a priority for Armenia. And uh, back to Munich, Pashinyan also uh, met with the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Munich, according to the State Department. The sides discussed strengthening bilateral ties and U.S. support for peace talks. Pashinyan also met with Richard Moore, chief of the Secret Intelligence Service of the United Kingdom. The PM also held talks with Kosovo's prime minister and the German chancellor. 
This week also marked the first anniversary of the EU's observation mission in Armenia. On January 16, the European Council adopted the decision on enlarging the EUMA. According to the decision, uh, the budget for the period from January 24 until February 25 shall be over 39 million euros. The EU also decided to increase the number of the members of the mission from 138 to 209. And in related news, the head of the EUMA, Marcus Ritter, and Security Council Secretary Armen Grigorian said that the Russian border guards do not allow the EU observers to monitor the Armenian-Azerbaijani border near Nerkinhand in Sunik. Grigorian said that Armenia will address the issue of EUMA access in Nerkinhand soon. And uh, this is in relation to um, development from February 13, when Armenia suffered four casualties and one volunteer serviceman was wounded after Azerbaijani retaliatory action. The Armenian side allegedly had wounded an Azerbaijani soldier the previous day. And on February 20, Pashinyan held a telephone conversation with the European Council President Charles Michel. Michel tweeted that he discussed EU-Armenia relations and Armenian-Azerbaijan normalization processes with the Armenian Prime Minister, he also said that the agenda of peace, stability, and prosperity for the South Caucasus is high on EU's agenda. And um, Armenia-Russia relations remain strained. Prime Minister Pashinyan, uh, while he was in France, told France 24 that Armenia's membership to the CSTO is in practice frozen as the security organization hasn't fulfilled its security obligations towards Armenia in 2021 and 2022. Though Pashinyan's announcement was not very clear, Kremlin spokesperson uh, Dmitry Peskov has responded immediately. He has said that the Armenian side has not taken any official action in this regard. We intend to get in touch with our colleagues and clarify the meaning of the statements, he said. Um, Pashinyan also talked about the Russian military base in Armenia with this in, uh, during this interview. He noted that the base is located in Armenia, not as part of the CSTO. He said that it's an entirely different legal construct, and uh, Armenia hasn't had the occasion to address the framework. Pashinyan also said that Russia openly called on the Armenian population to overthrow the government a few months ago, adding that this propaganda from Moscow against him is still ongoing. He also talked about the kidnapping of Russian deserter Dmitry Setragov by Russian soldiers in Armenia in December of 2023. We cannot tolerate illegal actions on our territory, he said. And just a reminder, a Russian serviceman who had reportedly deserted his army unit in Ukraine was arrested in Armenia by the Russian military police in the beginning of December and then just transferred back to Russia. And in local news, Ameria Bank, which is affiliated with Ruben Vartanian, is being sold to the Bank of Georgia for 330 3.6 million U.S. dollars. The deal has yet to be approved by the Bank of Georgia's multiple shareholders and the Central Bank of Armenia, though. The uh, Ameria Bank is one of Armenia's largest banks, with total assets worth uh, 3.4 billion U.S. dollars, compared with the 11.7 billion U.S. dollars held by the Bank of Georgia. Mesrop Arakelian from the opposition a country to live in party, which is linked to Vartanian, said that even though Vartanian is the biggest 
shareholder with 49% of the shares. The shares he holds are managed through a trust fund, and Vartanian personally has nothing to do with the possible sale of the bank. And a reminder, Vartanian uh, uh, remains in Azerbaijani uh, captivity. He was arrested on his way to Armenia from Artsakh at the Hakari checkpoint. And a bit of good news. During the weightlifting European Championship uh, that took place in Sofia, Bulgaria, Armenia earned the highest number of medals. The men's and women's teams together earned 11 gold, 7 silver, and 8 bronze medals. Uh, weightlifting has been an Armenian obsession for decades, along with wrestling and chess. A third, six out of 18 of Armenia's medals at Olympics were won by weightlifters. Uh, in an attempt to incentivize athletes in 2022, the Armenian government decided on bonus payments for Olympics, world and European champions and medalists. I'm, I'm not sure if this is a direct, if the recent uh, successes are a direct result of, uh, of this government incentive. However, I'm assuming it does not get in the way. Well, world champions are offered 500,000 drums that's more than $1,000 a month, while silver and bronze medalists 400 and 300,000 drums, respectively. European champions are offered 400, 300, and 200,000 drums, respectively. At the Olympics, silver medalists will receive 500, and bronze medalists will receive 400,000 monthly. These are paid for the period the athletes hold their records or positions. And for our little segment where we, I in this case, talk about the articles that EVN has published in the past week. This week we published an opinion piece by Daniel Tahmazian between State and Fatherland, A Tale of Two Mountains. Uh, it is a commentary on the recent narrative proposed by the Prime Minister who has been grappling with the issue of a new model of patriotism for nearly a year now. The author writes that, as Pashin seems to be proposing that we must choose between reality and dreams, between fatherland and state, drawing a somewhat oversimplified parallel between Mount Ararat as a symbol of the nation's longing and the dreams of C2C Armenia and Aragads, which according to Pashinyan symbolizes the state. However, the author argues that Pashinyan's administration or any future Armenian government should move beyond abstract discussions and confront reality by taking steps to reform the state and address the social and economic issues facing the Armenian people. And we also had uh, two new first-time authors published on EVN Reports this week. Um, one article that particularly had a strong response from our readership, it's called The Crossing, Armenians Arriving in Los Angeles via Mexico. It's by Maral Davtian. She is uh, based in Los Angeles. She holds a bachelor's degree in journalism and a graduate degree in law. Well, Maral Davtian's investigation shows that according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the number of Armenian nationals crossing the southwest border with Mexico has skyrocketed over the past five years. The number rose from 362 people in 2019 to 3,271 in 2022. This data is also backed by the numbers reported from all schools in the Glendale uh, Unified School District. Uh, she also has personal stories and the reasons why people who chose to do this have done it. It's a very interesting and eye-opening read. We also have a piece by Jan 
Ivan Schenkman. He's a Russian journalist currently living in Armenia. The piece is called Monologues, the homes they lost in Artsakh. Uh, he, like Schenkman says that the stories of people from Artsakh telling about their homes always started uh, with, with a smile and ended with tears. He's compiled monologues from Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh uh, for an upcoming exhibition uh, and where they talk about their lost, lost homes. The exhibition opens uh, today on Friday and will be open for a couple of weeks. And it will be in Yerevan at the Museum of Architecture after Alexander Tamanyan. And uh, we also have uh, a piece in our etc. section. It's called Two Films from One Fountain. Well, at the end of the 1960s and the beginning of the 70s, almost parallel to each other, two Armenian directors, Arman Manarian in Soviet Armenia and Arbi Ovanisian in Iran, were working on their own screen adaptations of the same literary work, which is Megadich Armen's novel, Hernar Fountain, the author compares these two films uh, and reveals polar perception of history, tradition, national culture, and lifestyle. And by doing so, uh, it just indicates that the boundaries of Armenian cinema are much wider than they seem. And our most recent piece is about, uh, well, divorce numbers in Armenia. It's, it's a little bit, it's not an op-ed, but it does read like an op-ed because it includes a statistics and the numbers of divorce have been going up in Armenia in the last 10 years. Ma- uh, marriages have been going down in Armenia. So it's a, it's a mix it's, uh, of personal stories and also statistics. And that was all for this week. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back again as always next week. Mm-hmm.